Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussions, news, and interviews presenting the film scene with Ileana Douglas. Ileana is an actress, writer, author, and film historian with a need to discuss movies that borders on obsession. You'll learn the history of movies one great story at a time. The film scene is the deep cuts of movie podcasts featuring movies we love by the people who made them. And now, Ileana Douglas. Why, hello everyone, it's Ileana Douglas. Welcome to the film scene. I'm here with Jeff Graham, sitting, he's sitting on the couch. I'm couching it today. Couching it yes. off, but you'll be very vocally involved. Of course. And a good friend of the show, Matt Oswald, is here. It's back. great to be back. Huh? I know, this is your third time. You've been here more than anybody. I'm the George Goebel of the uh, film scene <laughs> with Ileana Douglas. I'm just that guy that you call at 1.15. Matt, That's true. My my guy dropped out. Can yep. you get over here? Yeah, all right, you hell? provided us with some fantastic guests, and a lot of them. I have, haven't I? Yeah, you And have. I've asked for nothing in return. They may say they have more respect for you than After all me. I've done for this show, I come here today, and she's got eggplant garlic uh, salsa for me. That, well, I did is have, that a slap in the face or what? I had Jeff, peanut butter. Yeah. We have some uh, homemade. <laughs> some okay. Buddy the Elf uh, Easy Bake cookies back there too if you'd Ooh. like them. So you're well, welcome. Yeah, we've got, okay, we've okay. got cookies. Okay, yes. okay. That's not chips bad though. Yes. Chips. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's get to the point of why you're here. Yeah. This is so exciting. This is your book, Liquor Stores and Detours. I'm going to hold it up here. Yeah. Uh, it's so fantastic. I've been flipping through it, and you've been out there uh, selling it. It's going to make an amazing Christmas present for people. Oh, it is. It already is. And what is Kwanzaa, so- Hanukkah, <laughs> Ramadan, it all. Boxing it all. Day. Yeah, exactly. Let's not Boxing forget Boxing Day. day. But for <laughs> anyone who loves movies, uh, they will love this book, Liquor Stores and Detours. Now, first of all, it's already funny. How did you come up with the title? Um, Because Tom <laughs> <laughs> Because Tom Cruise already stole uh, Cocktails and Dreams, you know? <laughs> it's perfect. But uh, the book is, it's, so it's got pictures, which we're going to sort of show as we go along. I mean, look at, there's so many great pictures here. I want to yeah. hold, hold this up. Hold some up for the love of God. I want to hold, it's you're like, like a great towards you and Edward Hopper. That, mm. huh? Yeah. Modernistic. It's, but here, people so have said that it's Edward Hopper and a little Bukowski. Hmm. It's uh, and so grimy it's, liquor stores at night. It's you know, but it's, it's so much more than that. So it's these fantastic pictures of liquor stores, which you know, again, L.A. is is kind of known for these great '50s, '60s neon and they in, signs and for some reason they've endured. They, they've endured. This they're, is they're a still beauty. around. You know, There's another beauty. But what is great? It's ringside liquor. Yeah, it's a great one. That's is one that. Favorites. And we were saying this before the show. Oftentimes, you look at an art book, and underneath there's footnotes, and it's it's a little hard to understand, and you begin to feel like you're in a museum. And what you do is you just make it funny. You make the comment that you know I, I, you may have missed, I, you know, Ida Lupino uh, yeah. coming out of yeah. somewhere. Here's another great one, Vineland. It's down the street here. This is right down the street from oh, yeah. us. Vineland, and then the great Alex Liquor. And these are great. And you've been collecting. How long did it, ta- it take uh, you? About a year and a half. I just it, it sort of became a thing when I got my camera. I went out one night, was messing around, taking pictures, and I snapped a picture of a liquor store out in the valley, and it had this like noir quality that I really liked. Just like, mm-hmm. the neon against the black sky, and I just like really dug it. And so I started great ones. As kind of a hobby, I just started taking photos of liquor stores, and there's so many in L.A. To choose. I mean, they're everywhere. There's like every block has its own little like unique mom and pop. Yeah. You know, 
liquor and, store with a dried blunt stain on the uh, <laughs> on the floor and old Zagnut bars that go back to 1952. And this this one's called the the Jolly Jug. That's and out then, in Northridge, yeah. And then what's great is that next to it you have uh, a whole little story. Yeah, that just, goes that might go along with. Uh, with you know what what you're with getting what co- could happen there yeah I, a lot of them have stories that are uh, some of the stories are funny some of them are really depressing and sad and uh-huh. you know some are noir some are autobiographical some of them inspired me to write about my own life a little bit so which is great well uh, the uh, and they just kind of go from one to the other there's no order to them they just go they just you you so you laugh on one page cry on the next mm. This that's one's very one. interesting. Yeah, that's the, a contrast. That's, this um, one was you took the picture. This is, I mean, this is very Californian. So this is the same if you can see it. Yeah, one was taken right. on a clear blue, a, a, a clear night uh, one summer, and then a couple weeks later, this giant forest fire hit Malibu, and the entire sky just turned this really dark brown, and it just the contrast is kind of amazing. So when you were going around doing these, did, um, you know, you you obviously, did anyone sort of get, why are you taking a picture of my life? Are you robbing them? There's actually a story, <laughs> when I first started doing this, I went on, t- ironically enough, and appropriately enough, it happened on Van Nuys Boulevard, where a guy that I was taking a picture of a store got really angry that I was taking, that was out, out front on his property, and he right. wouldn't. He wouldn't turn his light on for me, and he started oh. screaming at me, and like, and I, I'm convinced it was some sort of like a, I had discovered a sleeper cell, <laughs> or it was like some one of those like Pulp Fiction places where the gimps under the uh, the table, <laughs> something was going on in there. But he was not happy that I was like taking a picture of his tour. And there's a there's a whole um a whole story about that in the book. Oh, too. great! But that was the only time that a guy truly. Almost like murdered me because I, I had the audacity to take a photo of this door. Always Van Nuys. Yeah, always on Van Nuys Boulevard. Yes. Nothing good happens on Van Nuys Boulevard. No. But so, most of the other people were really cool. In fact, a couple of them, you'd go up there at, at you know 445 when their light's still not on yet, and you just go, hey, can you flick your light on? Mm-hmm. And they'd happily do it, and they were the nicest people ever. You so. know what I was thinking is so nice because so many times you know people say L.A. is you know an ugly city. and it Who must- says that? So many people. Yeah, I know. Oh, <laughs> the um, the you know the sprawl of it, and you have to kind of go through the nooks and crannies to find the little great architecture, and and something yeah. like this is so cinematic, and so there, I think it must have given the owners sort of a great pride. I would a couple of like, the owners. Oh, have, you think my yeah place is artistic? Yeah, you wouldn't think that. A couple of them actually contacted me on my website, and they I got them um, prints of their store in there. Cool. And they now hang in their own store, and they're proud of them. So this is them. a great one. It's black and white. It says, "I'd love to tell you this guy." Uh, in perfect noir poses, waiting for Barbara Stanwyck to pick him up <laughs> so they can plot out a bump off for his, uh, their husband. Or even better, he could be waiting for Salazzo to take him to a secret meeting where he prays Clemenza planted a gun behind the toilet. Alas, it's just a dude buying some gum. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, Simi Valley, guys. That's how, that's what happens right now. A lot of good gum stories in yes. Simi Valley. But nothing so that's nothing sinister. But that's a great photo. Though. I love the whole... Like, I love it. It's black yeah, and white in the font. You know, I the mean... The font's great. That's just down the street from you, Jetstream. Yeah, by isolating the font, you know, uh, that's what's been so great. And then, so the book is set up in different areas of the city. Yeah, it's three sections. Uh, the Valley, which is North Hollywood, you know, Sherman Oaks, out to Ventura. And then the Desert, which is kind of Lancaster, Mojave, 
um, you know, uh, 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 Santa Clarita, and then City, which is just like Hollywood, downtown LA, mm-hmm. parts of Santa Monica. Those are the three main. Look, she's just like riveted with this thing. I, well, it's be- I it's that. beautiful. It's I mean, look I, at that. Even that. That's like that's the just desert. A, yeah, I was glad you brought up like the the beauty component of it because there's something kind of disarming about taking a city that's so rep like the reputation is wealth, and you've done something so kind of humble and human by featuring yeah. like a um, middle class, lower middle class like pattern in the city. Yeah. In, in a city, and I mentioned before that L.A. is becoming gentrified, and it's sort of becoming Blade Runner if it was just built out of Amazon shipping crates. Like, it's becoming <laughs> – it really is. I mean, if you look around the city, it's just very, like, robotic and just bland. I know. Yeah. And the one Boxes. thing that, that have kind of endured are these kind of mom-and-pop liquor stores. Yeah. And they're kind of amazing, and they're point. neon, and they just, they, just, they just linger for some reason. They hmm. sort of make up a neighborhood. I mean, what would this area right here be without Circus Liquor down the street, with You're that right. giant – beautiful sign lit up every night i mean what, what would, how would this you know and um and so this is almost like a document in a lot of ways because uh all the walmarts and targets and amazon wow. they're kind of putting these guys out of business so don't be surprised if in 10 years all these things are just gone and because yeah. let's face it target sells really cheap booze right you can they can undercut any price of these guys and so yeah well, you know. it's too bad the uh yeah i'm so much a part of um you know, I live in an old neighborhood. My house is 100 years old. It's Balding Square. And so our neighborhood, too, is so much involved. And, you know, they're they're trying to just they're trying to take away these HPOZs so yeah. that they can build, you know, hideous condos. Well, you live very off Sunset, right? Right. And sunset, I, yeah. I, there's that giant, massive thing they're going to build where um, uh, on that big Remind bend me. on Sunset. Which yeah. massive, horrible. It's this giant, they, there's, there's been like um, community meetings and stuff about it because people don't want it, but. Um, Nobody wants it. It's right, where, it it's gets... right where, the, where the Viper Room is, that area. There's a oh. giant, giant like right. hotel slash residential slash retail slash, and it's just hideous and it's going to completely change everything. It's such a shame because they're you know, again, these are these beautiful landmarks, and we we've seen them. Were there were there any that you shot that have been shown in movies again and again and again? I would bet you anything that a lot of the stuff in, especially in the valley, you would probably see like on a Starsky and Hutch episode or Trips episode. <laughs> like I guarantee you would, yeah. And I'm almost per- positive you can see um. Um, Turner's Liquor, which is Gil Turner's Liquor yeah. in that movie Hardcore with um, George C. Scott. There's a scene when he's going down Sunset Boulevard. You can kind of see it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Turner's Liquor is probably one of the most famous, <laughs> iconic Sunset Gil, yeah. Boulevard And it's right liquors. on that curb, and it, it's beautiful. And it's, it's one of my favorite shots, too. I got it at, at Sunset, and it's this great sky. When you came to L.A., did you ever you know, go to any of the great, iconic? I, I got a little taste. I went to Chasen's. Okay. That was one of the greatest craziest that's where you know elizabeth taylor would order yeah. chili from and and uh i went there and it had the big red booths and the checkered tablecloths and jimmy stewart was table hopping and i was really like, i was in heaven what year is this uh this would have been the very early 90s where was chasen's it's no longer there right it's now a bristol farms oh i know it's, it's on, on third i know exactly where that is right okay. down by where doheny like i know right exactly by where doheny that is yeah and third is and it was incredible and wow. i only got to go there once um but that you know there's so few places yeah. the dome on sunset was another there was a circular bar 
right in the front. So yeah. I would seek out these places. As soon as I got here, that was all I wanted to the do. The only was... two that I really went to were Michelli's because that was an old like mobster yes. hangout. And then um of course Musso and Frank's, which mm. is just which is still, still there thankfully. There. And it's but it was one that I really sought out and went to when I first came to LA because I especially Musso and Frank's because it has such a great history. Yeah. And uh those are the those are the only two that I really sought out though. Neon is such a I was in Tucson, Arizona and apparently they're famous for you know, their neon signs. There's one thing that people, we all yeah, agree Arizona on. Arizona has amazing neon because old <laughs> Route 66 goes through there and they've kept the old neon up to give it that kind of throwback look and it looks really cool. Okay, what's this story? It says, I figured taking photos around LA, I'd eventually run into some celebs. Just but read, the whole, I, read the whole thing. It's not very long. But I didn't think it would happen outside the quiet liquor store in Victor Valley, basically just a dry lake bed. As I lined up, this shot, an old hermit who looked like he just got back from Burning Man, <laughs> pedaled up on a bike. How do you make it a movie, he asked in garbled syntax. <laughs> no, I'm just taking a photo. Yeah, I used to be an actor. I've been in L.A. long enough to know when someone volunteers <laughs> to you, they're an actor. You don't engage them about their career or you might never get away. Hmm, I quietly replied, but could sense he was eager to read me his IMDb credits. Remember the movie Woodstock? Yeah, I was in it, he said with a sense of pride. You mean the documentary? Were you in a band, I quipped? No, I was just there. <laughs> you see me in a few shots. He smiled, reminiscing for a brief moment, and then pedaled off into the wasteland. So the next time you watch Woodstock, as the camera pans over the millions of hippies, look for a skinny guy with long hair. That's probably him. <laughs> a skinny guy with long hair. That's there very we go. funny. Look for that. Yeah, look for that. Look for that. And show the picture. That's a cool picture. That's oh, uh, in El Mirage, which is very... Uh, it's Lancaster, and you just go... Yeah. Wow. Outside the city of Lancaster, it just yeah. turns into show desert. Show and tell here. Yes. It's just, yeah. I kept saying you're Roberta from... Um, Ghost World, doing like you know, found art. <laughs> this found Isn't art. this wonderful? <laughs> while the while the jealous feminist girl just glares at her, just so bitter <laughs> that she's one upping her. Um, Those kids were so good; oh, they were the best. We're oh. talking about Ghost World. If you guys haven't seen it, and why? And if you haven't, you should see it. It's so a great good. movie. Yeah, and everyone. She, and needs Ileana to see Douglas it. just steals it. Oh, so Scarjo, she's having a good year. Yes. Yeah. yeah. In, in a lot of movies, we're going to get to movies yes. uh, uh, in a second. I'm just having so much fun enjoying this book. But movie books are my favorite Christmas present, actually. Mm. Even though I've I've got eight thousand books. Well, but... this is my Christmas present to you. Oh, this is all for you. Well, thank yeah. you. God, I love that. I'll only I charge a cost. <laughs> I'm going to be. I think I'm going to be buying a few and giving them to people. You should. I've had people buy like. Five or six at a time to yeah. give us gifts. It's becoming like the the, the thing, which is kind of Jonesy's cool. liquor. What's the story Jonesy's, behind that? Uh, it's on, off the one eighteen freeway. Okay, um, uh, it's a very Jonesy's. very small town. That's Jonesy's, and uh -huh. I stood in the front yard of yep. an apartment complex next door, and there was a family inside watching um, um, one of those one of those uh, uh, what's it called Dancing with the Stars shows, mm -hmm. and they were laughing and having the time of their lives, and I was so envious of them. Like imagine. Something like that show just making you laugh till you almost cry. I mean, I, I just I, I kind of envied them. So hmm. took my picture and walked away. Oh, here's you know? a great here's a great one. This is a Christmas story. This is a Christmas story. Read that one if you want to. Okay, well, and then I'll show the picture. Show the picture first, so they can get okay. like, an idea. See, it's gorgeous. Okay, <laughs> that's Liquor Mart right by you. Actually, actually yeah, I recognize this is that. right next to you where yeah. you live. Yeah, that's so Frank Stalkers. So Frank Stalkers, Fountain Avenue, and oh yeah, Liquor Mart. Sunset. Oh, Sunset yeah. Boulevard. So no, it's Sunset and like 
Genesee, probably. Yes, right? yes, Genesee. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to that liquor it's store before. It's literally, yeah, yeah. You can like walk. Bobby's oh. wife Prosecco, right where the old um um that comic book store used to be. Yeah, right uh, by Meltdown. Yeah, Meltdown. Yeah, Meltdown yeah, right, it's right which there. Is no longer there. And then, of course, right, my yeah. favorite, the Samuel French. Yeah, but that's no. Uh, I know that one. I know. And is I the one in the valley still there? I, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't go oh. to the valley. No, I'm kidding. I'm in the valley. Yes. Well, here's a Christmas, a little Christmas story read by Eliana Douglas. Chuck enters Liquor Mart on a chilly Christmas Eve. He pauses to take the final chorus of Nat King Cole's The Christmas Song, which always tugs at his emotions. He smiles at a small tree set up uh, next to the door with twinkling lights and homemade ornaments. A peaceful feeling of cozy warmth spreads over him. A man behind the counter watches It's a Wonderful Life on TV while sipping hot cocoa and the aroma taking Chuck back to his childhood when he and his siblings sat around the fireplace drinking hot chocolate while Grandmother read Twas the Night Before Christmas. Chuck stood behind the employee watching George congratulate Clarence on getting his wings. The bells of St. Mary ring as the credits roll. The employee turns off the TV and turns to Chuck, a glint of a tear in his eye. They exchange a genuine look of contentment and goodwill, both caught up in the grace of the human spirit. Merry Christmas, the employee says with a smile. Merry Christmas to you. Can I help you? I hope so. Do you sell those reindeer antlers you put on your car? I'm going to put my kids' school play of Little Drummer Boy, and I wanted to surprise them. We were going to drive around afterwards looking at the Christmas lights in our neighborhood. It's a family tradition. That sounds like a wonderful way to spend Christmas Eve. It is. Unfortunately, we're sold out of the reindeer antlers. They're a very festive item. Ah, uh, that's a shame. Chuck stands there for a moment, thinking, just give me a barely legal and a bottle of hand lotion. <laughs> yes, sir. He hands him the items, and Chuck leaves. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how you'll be spending Christmas. All right, let's talk about some movies. This is fantastic. Go get this book. Oh, it's uh, available at mattoswaldphoto.com if that's yes. where you want. Maybe you have a little icon producer in the. You, have, you can do like a little icon. We can throw it that. up there. And we'll definitely put yeah. it in the podcast description as well. Damn well better. Yes. We certainly will, Matt. Damn well better. Uh, friend, again, it's the least we can do for yes. the amount you've done for our show. I mean, eggplant, garlic, uh, salsa. <laughs> it didn't exactly get me in the door. So we got, we you know. had peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> there was peanut butter. I do want to say, though, for our podcast yeah. listeners, the book really is gorgeous. And my wife and I are coffee table book collectors and so oh. i feel like i'm kind of snooty with coffee table books and it's really Ooh. nice it's a great size yeah and like iliana mentioned the photos are very um uncorrupted it's just like these very large full high resolution photos and they're gorgeous it's a really cool different look at what los angeles is and definitely worth checking out thank wow. you that was good i like that thank you i love that you should have done the forward i wish he was sitting here you guys just switched places you know <laughs> i don't know about that he's the new roberta <laughs> not sure how the fans would feel <laughs> oh okay yes i'm the fun tag along in the in the background they all right let me do it we have a lot to let's talk about yeah. some movies. movies. You ready? Here we go. Now you can you write for a couple. You can't say which ones. I can say. I don't care. Oh, okay. What are you gonna do? <laughs> I don't give a shit. This day, nothing's a secret. Uh, the VES Awards and that's the Visual Effects and uh-huh. the ASC Awards. That's the uh, cinematographers. I feel like the Critics' Choice would be the one to. I'm, maybe I'm, that one I'm too. Maybe, a joke, maybe, but... yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this year especially. Yeah. Critics, <laughs> the, that part. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, anyway, so you write uh, material. 
I write for, the jokes yeah. and kind of structure can, the whole show. Can you show give us like one of the jokes? I have not written any yet. Oh, year. okay. I've literally, I mean, they're not until like January and February, so I've not, right, you know. My, my joke would be, you know, like you've got to make a, a Clint Eastwood's like in his 90s, making, making yeah, a movie, that'd yeah. be a good joke, right? I do like the cinematographer awards, so it's a lot of like F-stop jokes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. They love that stuff, yeah? You know? Wait, I have a cinematographer. Hey, pull this focus, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, that kind of stuff. They love, they love. My cinematographer joke was always, uh, you know, uh, was your name as cinematographer, like Caleb Dachanel. Every yeah. movie I, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I do this on every movie. Uh, whenever when there's a down point I, and everyone's around set, I go, you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, I saw Caleb. Uh, Dachanel at lunch and I he was sitting and I said hey can I sit here and he went and he looked up at the light and he said mm, it'd be better for me if you could sit there yeah yeah there you go <laughs> it gets a huge laugh folks that's great that's great on set <laughs> trust me people because that is a classic mm, at four in the morning after, a, after an online shoot that gets a huge huge laugh from the, <laughs> better uh... for me if you could sit there <laughs> they love it I, I use it Every every movie show I've ever done, I may steal that. It's a, oh, thank you. Okay, maybe thank I'll you. I love it. <laughs> we honored Caleb last year. He came up and did a, a lifetime achievement thing. So yeah, he is a genius, he's but he's very grumpy. But most okay, a well, lot of DPs are grumpy. The best DPs are the grumpiest one. The grumpy yeah. ones. Yeah, so he's very grumpy. Yeah, and he did a film. Uh, one of his first movies he did was being there. He was mm. the oh, DP. Oh no, kidding! I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. And after weeks of him being really, really grumpy, <laughs> okay, I said, yeah, and he, he like he tended to throw things and stomp and you know grumpy, you know. Um, uh, if things didn't, you know, go his way. I love how he started out grumpy. Usually, DPs like it takes a couple movies to like fully embrace your grumpiness. But he just his first film, he was already like, he, was, he was just grumpy. That's but a, I, that's a good that's a sign of genius. But I teased him. I said, you know, you you said you work with my grandfather, but after working with you for a few weeks, I think you may have killed tried to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Started in on his demise, for God's <laughs> sakes. Jesus. Grumpy. I mean, oh. he would get angry. You know, it's like that Roman Polanski thing. Why does she have that curl? <laughs> yeah, it was like, any, any, you know. That's right. I can't see the eye. It was like, all right, just fix it. You'd you pluck know? it out. Sometimes yeah, DPs, nuts. they do forget, though, that they're working with people. They start viewing you as subjects or objects in the shot. Yes, that's And you have to remind them, I'm also a person yeah. with feelings, so please. Yeah. No, you're not. If you... <laughs> They don't care. Not in that moment, right? <laughs> they just want to make it to lunch. That's all they're trying to do, you know? Just we waiting. need the shot! They need had to wait for that sun to set. So that's, they have like 20 minutes and they got to, you know, so yeah. don't, don't. I know, play they the have whole, the most stressful Don't play the job. human card with a DP, okay? It ain't going to work, you know? They're kind of directors without the humanity, right? Because a director, their job is to see the shot and the person. Yeah. The DP just needs to see the shot, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. Depends on the director, though. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. The uh, and then there's my other, uh, you know, story which I've told many times about the DP Steve Fearberg when Noah Wiley was here mm -hmm. and the movie The Californians. Yes. And I came from a tradition of just always knowing what the shot was. Gus Van Zandt would always be like, "Here's what the shot's going to be. You're going to do this, and then you know you're going to come in, and here's the what the, you know, he didn't even tell you what lens it was going to be on." Oh, we're on a 20, so I don't even bother crying, you know. And, uh, <laughs> no, I'm serious, you know. So you'd be like, oh, this is useful information. But Mr. Fearberg, I would say, what's the, I'd say, Steve, can you tell me what the shot is? 
what do you care? You're not even in the shot. I'm like, actually, Steve, I'm in the shot. I've been in the whole movie. I don't know if you <laughs> What do you care? Me. What do you care what the shot is? I'm like, uh, well. Wow. I, yeah, he was he grumpy. What an interesting answer to give to somebody. What do you care? What do you care? Oh my God. Okay, I'll t- can that be a quote? You know, that's where <laughs> as an actor you always want a subtitle. Yeah. I'd like, I'd like in my contract the ability to put subtitles on certain scenes. Yeah, I know. You know they made me do this scene after lunch. We had twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, you know, the DP turned to me and said. What do you care what you the care shot what is? The shot That's is. why I'm way off in the light. I'm not in the light. <laughs> Can I get my salad without pepper? What do you care? Well, I'm eating it, so it kind of, uh, you know. Uh, okay, uh, let's talk about some movies. Oh, here we go. Here's So here's, it's just off, off the cuff here. Uh, my impression of 2019, see, it's 2019, overuse of the word masterpiece. Mm. That's that is how many times are we is some what what constitutes a masterpiece and do we need to pull back the use of uh, of this word? I say yes, but what do you? Yes, what do you I guess absolutely think? agree. It's too I much, right? Agree. Yeah, yeah. That and the G word, genius. That word is going to use a lot this year too. Same with empowering. That's oh, becoming yeah. a huge thing. Like every mm. movie that happens to have a woman somewhere in the scene <laughs> suddenly becomes an empowering, brave. You know, um, thoughtful, evocative, you know, and I'm like, uh, okay, well. Well, I, you know, I had put up a tweet about this, like, you know, I said, is, and, uh, you know, are are we overusing Masterpiece? And why is it, you know, only used men's movies? You know, Hmm. women's movies are clever. They're brilliant. They're clever, but they're never masterpieces. (laughs) And so one guy sent me some information (laughs) where he only, he could only find like, you know, five instances of a time when a woman's film like The Piano was called a masterpiece. But, you know, 99% of the time it was associated with, you know, with uh, a man's film. Now, there are three. uh, Parasite was called a masterpiece. Yeah. The Irishman. Yeah. um, is called a masterpiece. And Marriage Story, also called a masterpiece. Was that directed by a man? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So and far, I've not seen all, all the anus movies. So, so um, I, so so far, I haven't seen any of the, you know, any of the. But the women. big question is, are they masterpieces? I mean, would you look at a movie like Marriage Story? And say, no, this is a it's not, masterpiece that's going to age. That's going to age like no, Kane. no. Are any of these movies going to like? Right. I think a masterpiece is a movie that ages that you can watch mm. over and over again, and it's just going to age really well. It's not going to become dated. It's almost you know, like we shouldn't be allowed to use that term until a decade after it comes out. Because you can't yeah, know that's now. Yeah, point. How you do you know, know if it's a masterpiece? Movies need to, like, kind of, it's like a soup. You've got to, like, let it stir and kind of, yeah. like, get into the consciousness a little bit. Yeah. I think that the, you know, I, I mean, when I think of masterpiece, I think of the painting Starry, Starry Night. I mean, mm-hmm. just as an example. Mm-hmm. Now, and I don't know where the phrase masterpiece came from. Maybe it comes from masters, the masters. The painting masters, yeah, and therefore something becomes a, a masterpiece. But uh, I don't know when it started to get applied. Certainly, I agree. Nowadays, that term comes from the marketing team at at uh, <laughs> Paramount, who just like wants they to build Oscar buzz for the movie, so they plant people to say their movie is a masterpiece, yep. and they, you know, it's looks nice in quotes. On a exactly, it looks yeah. great. It's so very it looks great. Yeah, if a movie comes out in the summer, it's probably not going to be a masterpiece. <laughs> but if it's close to Oscar time, yeah. Yeah. It is 
It is a you know a masterpiece. Seems like October, November have a lot of masterpieces this <laughs> exactly. year. Exactly. I will say I thought they Parasite. It's yeah. it's early to know, yes. but that movie kind of blew me away. Of those three, yes, that, I would use the M no, word maybe for that one. I I agree. Okay. Yeah, it's I agree. Really good. That movie's gonna age really well. You think you think you'll never get sick of it? Special. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's very strange. Okay. And it doesn't have much of a precedent to me. It's a it's very original. Here's a good word. Yeah. How about profound? Hmm. As opposed to masterpiece. It's so subjective, though. I mean, what's profound to me may not be. There are people who found probably um, Wonder Woman the most profound. <laughs> and I'm like, but there probably are some 12-year-old girl who probably, and I'm like, hey, if, if that's her thing, good for her, you know? Yeah. But not for me. I mean. What about masterful? Masterful, masterful. feels a little less aggressive than masterpiece. Yeah. Because I think you yeah. can have a, ma- you can master your craft. But that doesn't mean that this is the definitive masterpiece. Is yeah, it's a def, it's a definitive mark on the entire film. Masterful is a way of saying there are amazing moments. Yeah. In the what floor. about there, masterpiece theater like? Masterpiece theater like. That seems like an insult, quite frankly. You know, yeah, I don't yeah, know if I want that. You know, <laughs> you don't want that. I think okay. that Vincent Price. Uh, you know, uh, or um, it, um, narrated. well, so let's throw. So uh, uh, is Lawrence of Arabia? Is that a masterpiece? It feels like a masterpiece I, to me. Like I, a, I agree. I think it's a masterpiece. It was ahead of its time, the, the way it was filmed, the, the story. I mean, The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Yes. The Godfather, I would... I Bridge would in the River Kwai? Yes. I yes. would definitely call that a masterpiece. And that's two by David Lean. And one by... Um, yeah. by um, Casablanca? Sure. I would. Uh, it's one of my favorite all-time movies. I don't think I'd call sure. it a masterpiece, though. I think it's a classic. It, yeah, I think it's great. No, I think it Chinatown. is because the, because the, the the dialogue in, Cla- in Casablanca is so good. It's 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 brilliant. You and know the what? songs and every I mean the the back and it's, forth and the, and the it's so brilliantly done. I would done. call that. I love there's a masterpiece up there. Oh look at that. The uh, <laughs> there are certain films that I call perfect films, mm. and to me Casablanca is perfect. Okay, Chinatown is perfect. You know, yeah, there are, right. It's not a masterpiece, but it's perfect. Uh, there are certain movies like that that I would say, you know, it, uh, what's the one that I always love? Jeez, um, I'm blanking. Uh, From here to eternity. Mm. Okay, is a is a I think is a per. You think it's perfect, perfect film? Uh, See, yeah. it's all subjective though. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to argue. How can I argue that? You know, just because. There's but no, I, th- I, th- I think I think I think you're here with it, and I'm like here with it. But I'm like. But if so, but Who something am, say, is no. a masterpiece, I don't know. I just think there's just a massive overuse of the yeah. of the word, and so it loses its potency. Mm. You yeah. know, and I and I also think that going into it, you're like, all right, this better be a masterpiece. Also, I, I would like, especially now, for people to people who call a movie a masterpiece to be able to define why they think it's a like what what about this That's thing. A good point. Is different and so much more original than other stuff that's come out, and you know, and 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 what sets this apart, and what mm. you know, yes, how does how is this movie going to stand the test of time, whereas others, you know, won't. Um, that's what I'd like. Okay, so let's so, so the other thing that I was thinking with a lot of the movies this year too long, mm-hmm. but most of the movies I found to be universally too long, and that had they cut. Um, you know, 10 minutes out of the film, I think it would have been a, well, in some cases, maybe an hour. But uh, some... do, do you think that that's a Netflix thing? Because I Netflix is a different model than, I mean, 
movies that were designed to go to to theaters, right? You need to get people in and out. So there's a but Netflix, it, it it's sort of like it's made for couch potatoes. Mm-hmm. People binge Netflix. So a three hour movie on Netflix is not on. It doesn't seem like an unheard of thing to me. Mm-hmm. I wonder if if the Irishman was specifically made for theaters, mm-hmm. if it would have been coming in a lot shorter. Well, that's my thing with you Netflix. can fit that extra screening in there. Yeah, at a theater. yeah, it's and that's true. a big deal. That's a really big deal too. You know, producers look at film differently now that it's being distributed differently. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and again, Netflix. It doesn't once once they've got you, it doesn't matter how fucking long the thing is. Roma <laughs> was too long too last year. I thought it was really long. It's a great. I, I liked it a lot, but it, it would have been better. Same masterpiece. Yeah. No. <laughs> but that movie, I that, like you watched the Irishman. I, I think I turned it off halfway through. I'm a couple. And hours I had things in. to do, You're and I went back and finished it. That's a sentence. I shouldn't say about a movie. I'm only a couple hours in. I still. There's a whole generation that's coming up though that's used to like watching a movie in little because we have this whole ADD generation. They have a very t- finite YouTube mm-hmm. mentality. They're not going to want to sit there for so they can they watch a movie for 20 minutes, and then go and do something, and then come, come back. back. And that's that's. You know, I saw the people Irish like you men. and me when we go into a movie. We we go in cold and we sit there. Yeah, I... and we don't get up and leave. You know, during it. Well, but I was I was I was curious why uh, Marty didn't build in an intermission since you know he loves movies like Lawrence of Arabia Mm. and they have intermissions. No, no theater would do that. There's no theater that's going to want to have people get up and leave halfway through. You mean the Rockettes aren't going to come out? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Are you saying that like somehow I'm living in the past? (laughs) Bella Lugosi's not going to come out and do a sketch with a, you know, I'm not going to get a show booklet at the end. Oh my God. (laughs) But fans of Bella Lugosi, we do have an interview with him from a month ago. You can listen to Bella Lugosi Jr. on our podcast. Are you shitting me? Yeah. We did a live I, I hate great. to derail, but live podcast a month ago with Bella Lugosi Jr. Very cool. Yeah, how old is Bella Lugosi Jr.? Eighties, 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 and and he's like an old eighties. He's not like he's like he's not like Norman Lear. Like Norman Lear. He's not like Norman. He's not frisky. Yeah, that's funny. But he was his, he was very sweet. Mm-hmm. We adored him. What, so that was his son. What did he do for like? What was his life? I'm I'm just curious. What he did for a living. All right, there's three. Just I didn't. Oh, oh, okay. We'll get back to the movie. We'll get back to it. Yeah. But, but, but I. That's just marriage to, story. Marriage story was Knives too out. long. Knives out too long. Uh, Irishman way too long. Way for you know for what the Godfather accomplished. Uh, I I just think it well was... because let's face it, this was about Jimmy Hoffa, and we know how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. We all know there was no question when this movie started where it was going to go. Whereas Godfather, we had no clue. It's true, that's true. You know, and that's a huge, huge thing. I think the um um, but I felt that there were points, uh, particularly in the film Marriage Story, which I enjoyed. I just felt like that the narrative tension just completely dropped out mm-hmm. uh, because the movie just went on and on and on, even though they were great. I mean, so the my my interesting, you know, sort of critique of some of the films is that I've actually enjoyed a lot of the films this year more than in previous years. I think that the acting has been really great. In this particular case, this year, it's been the director. Hmm. Had they only hmm. cut and shaped a little more. Marriage Story is a Netflix movie, right? Yeah. So is that yeah. another one of those things where they can allow things, something to breathe a little bit? Because Probably. they don't have to worry about... Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, there's a whole new but, thing coming well, up. So what ends up happening with a lot of the performances is that rather than, than building to a very incredible, tense 
you know, crescendo, like in the movie Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. You get these peaks and valleys. Mm. And I'm just curious, maybe this is the new narrative, peaks and valleys. And I felt the same way with The Irishman, and I felt the same way with um, with Knives Out, where it, it, it I felt like the movie ended, oh, there's ten more minutes, you know? Mm. I wonder if Marriage Story was originally written as a TV drama, and they just and they, nobody wanted to pick it up, so they expanded it. And so it feels like a drama where you have like these beats that that crescendo, and then it stops and starts again, kind of. Well, it could be because obviously it owes a lot to Ingmar Bergman's, you know, scenes from a marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder. That seems to be, you know, mm-hmm. the the you know some some of the idea of the breakup of the marriage. You know, yeah. I, one thing. Have you seen the film? Uh, not yet. Oh, okay. So I'm planning on seeing it tonight. It drops on Netflix tonight. So, oh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay. It's exciting. So I'm gonna. I'll. Well, we're, well, we're here for this though. We're not here for the friggin' marriage story. We're here to promote. <laughs> That's right. You know what dropped two weeks ago, baby? <laughs> two thousand these fuckers in my apartment. You know, hey, from you know China. You know, if you're bored during a movie, a nice wow. thing is a coffee table book. Exactly. Pick that up. That's right. Exactly. You can see that. You can do a little line of coke off it, and then do a little, you know, and get yourself back into the second half of your movie. That's, that's how it um, works. Right? Other yeah. films I've seen. Brittany runs a marathon. Love that movie. I loved it too. I think that's in my top ten. Big surprise. Film for yeah. me because I really didn't know what to expect. I thought it was going to be like a lifetime movie. I <laughs> found it to be very inspiring. I mean, I I am a sucker for movies about the human condition. Yeah, that's my okay. I like hopeful movies. That's okay. you know, I, I like a movie to be a. Little I feel like I hopeful. would like that movie, but I've not seen it yet. But I, but, I, but I feel like I would like it's it. It's very inspiring and very and very surprisingly funny. It's okay. Jillian Bell who's kind of an up and comer. Yeah, uh, but she's she's mostly played broad comedy up until now. She's done a lot of bit parts and like, yeah, I've seen her a lot yeah. of stuff. She's great. She's Eastbound and Down. She's really funny. But this like, is a great. This is sort of her dramedy actress Good moment, and she's really knocked she it out of the that. park. Yeah, it's a really favorite funny. for me this year. Okay, I'm gonna check it, it out. Yeah, yeah. check it out. It's great. It's okay. Great, uh, a great job. And again, mm-hmm. not you, you know, again, not not cinematically, maybe not the prettiest film, but and and they comedies. probably it was an indie. They probably shot it in New York. No, n- yep. no permits. Just getting just stealing shots where they could. So you do what you got to do. You know, story but the, first. But yeah. the performance, all the acting in the movie, I really was ta- taken with okay. it. I just thought it was really great. And the other one is anyone seen Booksmart? Loved it. I've not seen it. Same kind of category. I don't know if I'd like that. I was not a fan of what's the, it, what's it called? The, 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 again, the, the male. Um, oh, Good Boys. No, that one with a uh, Jonah Hill. Oh, Superbad. Yeah, I've heard it's called like the female Superbad. It's a little more heartfelt. Okay. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I don't. I'm not sure if that's for me. I, I maybe I'll check it out, but I don't know. If it's, not. it's not quite as broad. Okay. It's super bad. I think it's. I think you might like it more yeah. it, because that's one of the things I liked about it was it's too nerdy. Girl, you know they're not getting trashed for no okay reason. They're it. It, it sort of is about these two nerdy girls and their friendship. And I, you know, I th- again, I thought the acting in it was really strong for these two young people. It was yeah. I'm big fan both. Definite up and comers. It's Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Deaver. The funny thing about Booksmart is the whole premise is, like Ileana mentioned, it's these two nerdy girls whose whole thing is we worked so hard so we could get into great schools and we didn't party, but all these other kids who partied also got into great <laughs> schools. So this isn't fair. So then they decide to have like their rumspringa okay. kind of night. And it's it's smart. It's smarter okay. than it needs to be. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Uh, what did you think of the directing? 
Yeah, I thought it was really great. It's I, uh, Olivia Wilde. I thought it was fantastic. And it's that's a great example of a movie that feels like it can breathe, but also feels yes. like it has purpose. It like it, it had does in, both. It had incredible okay. momentum, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm uh, has it come out yet, or is it? Yeah, yeah, I just think you could probably get it on demand by now. I'm sort of surprised that it, again it has not gotten more attention. It did not do very well. I remember it no. kind of tanked at the box office. I think it just kind of just missed its. You know, it happens. There's, NPR loved it. <laughs> well, well, that's yeah. not exactly going to get bust I mean, in the, the interesting you know? thing is, you know, and, and this is going to sound a little strange, you know, coming from me, but why do we give more attention to a movie like Hustlers than we do to Booksmart? Because I, J-Lo gets naked in it and Guy <laughs> wants to go see her get naked. Well, that's, that's, okay. that's it. Show, that's it. show there over. It is. That, there that's it. Is. it. What that's do you think that's, what you know? I think. But did Hustlers what? do really well at the box office? Yeah. Oh, it did? Okay. Yeah. I thought it, Hustlers was glorifying But she has a, she, Jennifer Lopez has a huge following. She has a huge amount of fans. They're, they're going to go see her on something like that. I, I mean, let's face it. Booksmart, it was started a couple of people who haven't done anything. It's not going right. to... It's a total indie. It's a total indie. It is. It's not going to, like, you know... I thought Hustlers galvanized. was kind of subversive, though. I, I feel like I'm... In, in, what the, way, in what way? Well, I felt like it was more of a comment on how capitalism positions women. What's interesting is it's about two... It's about men who are grifters and women who are grifters. And the men who are grifters can use, like, the privilege of being on Wall Street and inherently use the privilege they have as men to get what they need. But women have to resort. I think, the, to me, what the movie kind of implied was that you see how, two, how each sex grifts and how they get what they need. And for women, they have to resort to options that men can inherently just avoid. Yeah. That's how I read it. I don't okay. know, though. Maybe I'm just putting too much. Did it pull it off? Or was it, was it good at – was that sort of what you had to – I thought it kind of lost steam. I thought the beginning yes. had more. It was too long. Yeah, I <laughs> think long. I agree with that. Okay. But I did like Jayla's performance. And okay. people are dark horsing her for an Oscar right now, which is really interesting. Every time so. I hear a review of the movie, all they talk about is that how, how, how hot she looks in the dance. And I'm like, are, you, are we giving her an award because she's got That's a nice butt? I mean, <laughs> what, how was her acting? How was the acting? I mean, tell me about that That's part, a good point. Know? Here's the Please. scene that I found most troubling. Well, first of all, it already reminded me of a movie that was already made called Striptease. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, did it? Yeah, Demi Moore. That the big okay. focus of the movie was that Demi Moore went topless, and yeah, it's right, yeah. going to be a big deal. And you know, but the movie itself was terrible. I mean, the sure story did. around it was awful. Right, but that but, was the big draw. Yeah, exactly. Was how empowering yeah. it was. Well, Showgirls too was We're Elizabeth Berkley. It was it was the girl from Saved by the Bell getting yes. naked. Right. And, you know. Now, who 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 in this room believes that it's empowering for women to dance around a Pole, like I don't, I, I, I find that quite, you know, as opposed to a movie like Booksmart yeah. or Britney Runs Marathon, which actually are incredibly empowering films, yeah, hmm. that are still funny, that are still raunchy, you know, and the girls aren't having to debase themselves to and yeah. crawl around on a force for dollar bills from you know to get money. So it's like, I found I don't know. Uh, yeah. that in twenty, I'm like, huh, okay, this is interesting. And the most troubling scene for me in the entire film is that when they get their money, right? They so they they grift the men and they they make millions. And what do they do with their money? Do they go to college? Do they take Open care of their kids? Do they- <laughs> They go to a department store and they buy Louis Vuitton and Louboutin right. shoes because that's what women do because that's what our real focus is. Really? Yeah. Look, mm. that's what they do. They just go and buy a bunch they of They go buy stuff. incredible, that's, that's... expensive clothing. 
And they, that's, they that's how it ends? Well, that's then there's other stuff. But they're basically you know, saying they that drank they, champagne. They, they, they did it for the materialistic, yes. you know. Yeah. And that was a shock to me. I would have I would have gone along with the film and said, okay, well, this is sort of interesting. But that scene, for me, I was very, very disappointed. That was yeah. incredibly dated. It just sold out these uh, ideals of what women Well, because do, it's going back like, to the pretty woman thing. Mm, you know, yeah. it's going back to what women really want is a rich guy to sweep them off their feet. And, and give them a bunch of cool stuff yeah. to wear so they can show off and... Yeah. It would have been fun if Jennifer Lopez had just gone down to a bank and opened a nice savings account. You know, like, you know, okay, she's going to do one good thing with her money. She's going to like open an IRA or she's going to, you know. You know and, and sometimes, something. sometimes yeah. in movies you get mad because you go, all right, well, is this the prerequisite scene where they have to do something nice or they're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this movie actually could have used, like, Give it to your school or take an art class or something. Get, get, they a, all real, go get back a real to... estate license or just I mean, do something yeah. better than that. It's like it's such a cheesy, like, obvious way of. I, that was through. That was, for me, 2019's, for me personally, most cringeable moment. And for a, mm. for a movie that was made by a woman, written by a woman, yeah. starring a woman. That, that's, that that's, nobody that's making That's what the it all film. comes down to. That, that was her choice for that. The, the last scene was, hey, let's just go. Bling it out and just go to nightclubs and be awesome and like well that that's your goal in life. Like, I, I I just I found it very troubling and off putting. The thing that was interesting about it to me though was we're so used to like the makeover montage scene driven by men like in Pretty Woman, but in this example it was all a self sufficient. And granted, they could have been spending their money on more valuable things, but to see that movie trope, but the engine of the trope is actually money you earned. Whether or not it was well-earned is the question, but I kind of feel like that's what the movie was trying to do. But what was the purpose? Once they have all that stuff, what were they just going to exist in this world where they, where they dress rich and they look yeah, good? Yeah, and, and they, they want more and, and more they can and impress, more. Right. And they can impress people. And people and, and they get greedier and the... greedier and greedier. There's, there's yeah. a prolonged scene. This feels very narcissistic. There's a yeah. pro- very... There is a prolonged yeah. scene in which they go to a car place and, you know, they get behind a wheel of, you know, they're stealing... Money grifting people, and they're right. like, great! Now we can buy a really expensive Cadillac, yeah, and get Louis Vuitton and wear Louboutins. They just turn into this very same kind of people they were grifting in the first place. Exactly, just, yeah. So that These was very materialistic, shallow. Right. You know, so I found that very jarring, yeah. and 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 I wasn't, yeah. a, and and it lo- and it really lost me in okay. a big, big way. It uh-huh. was, I found that to be incredibly troubling. Yeah, um, that's it. It is true. It's I don't know if we're supposed to root for anyone in that movie. There wasn't very many rootable characters in that movie necessarily. No, everybody and and that which gets to my last thing theme is that most of the movies have really really unlikable people yeah. in them. And I have I, to ask you before we get, have you guys seen The Lighthouse yet? Not I yet. have not seen I the saw Lighthouse. that. What do you think? I I thought it was uh, amazing directing and cinematography and the way it looked. But it fell off a cliff mm-hmm. right after like the second act ended. It was like it was mm-hmm. a movie that was probably an hour long. It was probably an hour long short story, and then and I've heard that the director of this movie um, was having a hard time with the ending. Interesting. And, he, and you can almost see where he just like put this like placeholder, like I'll just try this out ending, and it just sort of goes goes completely where you don't think it's going to go, but not necessarily in a good way. I've heard it's kind of bonkers. 
it's bonkers, but it's it, it's it's a it's a very coordinated bonkers for the first like hour and a half, and you're mm-hmm. really enjoying it. And then the last half hour, you're like, whoa, interesting. It, it went into a, a place that was just weird, just to be weird mm-hmm. and esoteric, just to be esoteric, yeah. and it felt really like a, a betrayal, clunky. It just felt clunky. I feel that way about Magnolia. I know people love that movie, but once it starts raining frogs in that movie, yeah, yeah, that's when I feel betrayed by like the story I was given or promised. Yeah, that was that thing. I think where P.T. Anderson had that huge hit with Boogie Nights, and the yeah. studio just gave him a check and said, "Go make a movie." And every director has that. I think where you have that moment where you can do anything you want to, and he wanted to make that passion project. Right. And, you know, it's like Judd Apatow's "This Is Forty, like oh, yeah. it's that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Where like the studio just gave him money. So oh, it, it's it's like a it's it's a it's a remake of, of, of funny people. I mean, I mean not funny people, but um, um, I'm knocked up. It's the same characters. Go go make that, you know. And mm-hmm. then he just went and made a disaster. Yeah, so, interesting, interesting. But it's good to see that PTA recovered. You know, he he did oh, yeah. his one passion project, got it out of his system. Okay, now I got to start making movies again. And I know? still love Magnolia up until that scene. That's what it is. It's so disappointing when you love a movie until you don't. Yeah, it almost yeah. feels worse. You know, you'd almost rather the whole thing where it just kind of grinds the whole movie. It's sort of it's sort of. I don't know. It's all these different stories that never really add up much. They just keep going and going. I feel like yeah. that movie may have been called a masterpiece. I'm sure it was. I, I I'm feeling. sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Leonard um, Malton saw the floor coming down and was like <laughs> writing it out on his Sharpie in his... Uh, you know yeah. what's so interesting is like we, we have, you know, critics. These you can't, you can't even name a person who's a critic. There's very mm-hmm. few pe- people. You know, there's Leonard Malton. No. You know, that you know by name. Ever since Roger Ebert, there's nobody... Yeah, not one critic that I, I could even tell you by name. No, that I wouldn't, and I don't read reviews before I see movies. I mean, have you read? Have you been to Rotten Tomatoes? There's literally 500. Each movie has like 500 reviews. No. Like, mm-hmm. who are these people? Why do you even <laughs> exist? Like, what's yeah. the purpose? I don't and, know. I feel like it's that cause sort of weird conspiracy. I like, think you could just invent a thing like the uh, yeah, like, like the Reno Times and just invent a name and just, <laughs> and just submit reviews for, and nobody would know any difference. You yeah. know. It's an incredible, uh, you know, uh, p- pressure, you know, for people to be working, to be doing a movie and, you know, it's got to do well on Rotten Tomatoes or something. God. That is weird. I know. That's... Being reviewed by some guy who, who was probably like writing sports articles the week before and got shifted over to movies. And, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> yeah, he owns like Porky's 1, 2, and 3, and that's all he's ever, and now he's reviewing you know, Moonlight. <laughs> it's like, it's like. One thing I, I didn't w- get it. I mean, God, what the hell? What are the tits? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I want to get. Has anyone seen Richard Jewell? Not yet. Talk about that. I've not seen it, but I, I know the story enough, and I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. Too long. Mm. Jesus, it keeps Too going. Long. Two hours. And... That was a theatrical release. That's not on Netflix. It's a theatrical release. Yes, right? it is. Yeah. Okay, it's so too long. That it's goes against long. my theory of Netflix allowing movies to be longer. Okay. And okay. uh, uh, it was very. It's a very interesting movie. There's some. There again. There's some like, you know, I don't know conspiracy in there. It seems a little bit. Little there's. Well, but, Eastwood you know, is a big Republican, and I think he was he was trying to do an anti-media, anti-government control thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, and he was nailing Clinton the whole time, which is deservedly so. Yeah, and they, I they and I that guy over. and I got that, and so you know it's an odd thing. So you're watching the film, and Clint Eastwood is a he's a great filmmaker. So I really enjoyed the film, but I also thought again of you know the Irishman, where you think, well, if the, these people have, they can do any movie they want to make, and these are the people they they tend to make movies about people that are extremely troubled. They're not heroic. 
you know, so it's interesting that they chose to make, because what they say 80,000 times in the movie is that Richard Jewell is a hero. And so that's, you know, one of the big emphasis of the film. And they never present, although they they show the FBI as, you know, a bunch of buffoons. And and it made me curious to go back and now really look at what the actual events are. But would it have been a more interesting movie? And again, the acting is superb. Mm -hmm. So I find myself very conflicted. It's a great, old-fashioned, enjoyable movie you know, because he's just a great filmmaker. He is, he really is. But I get a question like, God, of all the things that Clint Eastwood could make a movie about, what would possess him to make a film about Richard Jewell of all, you know, of all people? Mm. And you never really get an idea. You never really see the other side. Like it's offhandedly, you know, said that he was fired from a number of jobs and he, at one point he impersonated a police officer. You sort of hear these things. You go, wait a minute. That's kind to, of a, yeah. Maybe that's why the FBI was looking at him, but yeah, that's yeah, yeah. not the focus of the film. You sort of, you were like, it's completely unfair. Just because he impersonated an officer, he shouldn't be the focus <laughs> of this thing. So you, you know, you get a very, you know, so he is presented as an American hero mm. we're going to resurrect him you know and maybe he is i i don't know but mm. i have a strange feeling that the more i'm going to you know kind of i'm just going back and trying to remember this uh whether or not that was actually true and would it have been a better movie if we presented that maybe he's not so perfect mm. yeah. because they present these people as being perfect flawless without, yeah yeah and that's what these the, Christ-like figures, who, right? And like we're so, all that's the sinners, and everyone else around them is wronging these exactly. people. Exactly. Like, so the Irishman is like, yeah, we have to kill people. The strippers are like, yeah, we have to strip and rob people and get. Mm. So it's, it, you know, and I wonder about the people that are making these films if they have so much money that it it shifts them out of the area of real life, of real life concerns of people that really go to Walmart every day and have blue collar jobs and can't put money on the table. You know, I'd kind of like to have Robert De Niro's problem. Yeah. Isn't like marriage story all taking place with like rich people who are flying, you know, first class back and forth and not, they're not, money is not an issue. He's a very successful Broadway director. She's a very successful actress. Mm. Now, now try doing a bitter divorce when you're like both having, Middle class jobs and a couple of kids and and you're being you know that's that's a story that I'd want to see yeah. you know yeah that's what I liked about Lady Bird so Marriage Stories Noah Bombach his longtime partners uh, Greta Gerwig and I haven't seen Little Women yet but I'm very excited to see that but uh, however you thought about Lady Bird I did think that movie really like leaned in and focused on what like a middle class life is like in the suburbs which we don't all, you know in a weird way we don't always see it i think we see poverty or we see wealth but we don't always see that like middle american experience in, in the movies yeah. and it's interesting john hughes did that pretty well yeah you're right he's one of the guys that did that mm-hmm. um but yeah okay I well I'm, I'm a movie that i've mentioned on the show before that you know i, I hope doesn't get you know, forgotten about is Dolomite. I don't mm. know if you saw Dolomite. I've still not seen that. I need to see it. I need to see it. So yeah, I love this film, okay. and Jeez. I loved Eddie Murphy in the film. And again, you get nominated. I hope so. I hope he wins. Yeah. But um, but that's me. You know, because I always think the Oscars is it's it's a body of work. In in my yeah. opinion, it's a body. Yeah. of Yeah. Mm. Although 
Michael Keaton should have won. I'm still mad. I'm still mad. That oh, Michael... for Birdman? Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's not... so unfair. Who won no. that year? Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's so <laughs> right. boring. Okay. <laughs> I rest boring my case. Ever... Oh, why? Why? They should why? be able to take it away from him and give it to Michael Keaton. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, Eddie Murphy is so good in this film. I love this film. And again, it is... I. I I just think it's – I loved it. I loved it. I love the audience participation of it. And again, what's interesting is in contrast to all these other movies, they never try to uh, get away from this, this guy being this incredibly flawed loser. But he – what's so great about Eddie Murphy's performance is this idea that like you know, in spite of himself, he has a dream. And and he accomplishes his dream, and you know these are the right same writers from Ed Wood, and I love yeah, Ed yeah, Wood. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Larry so Larry. I guess for me, maybe that's more my sweet spot. Mm. I need to see that of films. Yeah. Is that he's just this inc- incredibly, you know? I heard, and I mentioned this on the show once before, but and but Eddie Murphy said about him, he's he's like a, a guy that shouldn't win, but ultimately does win you know he's a he's a he's just a loser yeah like yeah in spite of everything in a way that's a little how they framed ed wood too he mm-hmm. was a guy who has no business winning anything but they but they gave him his little victory in the end even though that plan nine did not have a pantages screening right um they still gave it to him just to you know and i feel to, like that is that goes back to everything you know that i loved about the honeymooners yeah everything that i loved about lucy was that you know that that the best drama the best comedy is when people have a dream and they just never quite make it or they get an, something else that they were looking for yeah and those are I, I, those are my favorite kind of stories and they always have i'd say know, charlie residents. chaplin kind of has that you know you think back to early cinema and he was sort of the bumbling winner yeah you know yeah. who finds something else in spite of what they thought they wanted remember oh, the movie wish. from a couple of years ago about schmidt Yes, mm-hmm. you know that film had it in spades. Yeah, I thought, yeah. you know, his wife dies, and he just kind of like his entire retirement <laughs> plan just goes up, and and he has to just rediscover everything about himself. And it's yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. And that you know, I and and it's so it's been interesting. You know, in the old days, remember it would be remember it was like always a big movie versus a small movie, and uh, the big epic. And this this year, it's going to be kind of interesting. I don't know. In what did you of, think of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I, lo- I mean, one. I loved it. I still... I thought it was too long. I thought it was too long. I thought it was way too, <laughs> way too long, and I had, I had a lot of problems with it. I I, I, I don't know. I, I, Tarantino has done this thing where he's trying to, like, rewrite history as if movies win. You know, what, what if Hitler took on movies? What if, you know, the Manson family took on movies? And it's like, he's doing this, and I'm just not... What I'm, not, I'm not buying it. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not buying it. I'm just not. Well, was, I'm not along. It's my. I, I fa- it was my. Fa- it's my favorite movie of the year. It is remained. Is it? Yeah, it's okay. remained my favorite movie of the year. Parasites number two. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I guess again because it's hopeful, you know. Yeah, I was stunned the way it ended. I did not see it ending that. The, the yeah. very last shot, I just did not see it ending like that. I thought I was going to do a typical, but it. it and had the key, yeah, the hopefulness of it was. I also think, me. Uh, I mean, for me, I've, I love you know Brad Pitt has done so many movies, and it, it's one of the most laconic yet dead-on performances. He's really good. He he anchors the film for hmm. me in a way he that he's like a great bass player. He never there could be the tendency to 
amp up to what uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is doing, See, which is again a you know I'm thinking Wolf of Wall Street. And one of the issues with that was like, all right, is everybody amp? Everybody's <laughs> amped up. Yeah. And but what I loved about Brad Pitt's performance was that he just he just played the bass line. And was so confident. Yeah. I mean, just, I could have watched him drive for two hours. Yeah. Here, uh, that was, uh, see, I think Brad and Leo are great actors. And they, they were fine in it. But I think the movie would have been much better if instead of these two guys who look like movie stars, they don't look like old, washed up. Mm. They don't, yeah. it, imagine if it was played by Eric Roberts and his, his stunt double Mickey Rourke. Imagine that, mm. the same movie. Yeah, the two guys who actually look like they were old and just clinging to the edges of you know, of of Hollywood stardom, and so I thought that the casting was just it didn't work for me. I mean, Brad's supposed to be this just kind of dawdling doofus of a, a, and he takes his shirt off and it's like six pack abs, perfect. Mm. I'm like, come on, guys, he's beating up Bruce Lee. It's like, eh. Well, know. I think it has some. Ex- I thought it would have been, it, it would have been a much more interesting movie if if the, if the characters were older. And looked like they had been through a shitload. Like, I mean, like imagine Nicolas Cage in, yeah. in the Leo role, or uh, you know, Don Johnson, and uh, you know, I'm thinking these old guys who would have really, I don't know, I think would have been a much think, more fun movie. I'm gonna make a prediction that I think it's a movie that will last. Uh, I think it's an iconic movie. I think do it's, a, yeah, I really do. Okay. I think it's a movie that. As Los Angeles disappears, that we, much like, which is much yeah, like your book, yeah, yeah, yeah. bring it back to your book, yeah, yeah, yeah. that it captures uh, a, a, the dream factory. I do love the way it looked. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the the shots and the throwback. Ooh, as I knocked my headphones off, as the throwback quality that he he was able to got, get was amazing. I mean, the Muso and Franks and all the signage and all that. Yeah, he, he really... makes Los Angeles a character. Yeah. you know, a character in the film. I also think it has that. Uh, you know the great who was here? Who was it? Dan Waters. He said, "Rule number one: you when you make a movie, make sure the main characters have outfits that you could do at Halloween." Oh yeah, that was Dan Waters. <laughs> that was part of the inspiration behind Heather's. Oh no, kidding! Was yeah. how can I make a Halloween costume? Oh, that's right. Okay, that I will sense. never think that's of anything. Good... Isn't that great? Because yeah. I saw a couple guys with the champion shirt and the whole and the yellow this Halloween. Yeah, I saw a couple guys dressed that way. So that makes sense. Yeah. I also thought it honored, uh, you know, uh, Steve McQueen and the all, you know, a lot Burt of the, Reynolds the, and the Burt Reynolds. You know, he was supposed to be in that movie, but he yes. passed away. Yeah, wow, that was yeah. very sad. I think his role was taken by. Bruce Dern? By Bruce Dern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My ineloquent take on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood personally is that I kind of liked everything but the movie. Like, I loved the dialogue. I loved the way it looked. That makes, that's a great way of putting it. But like, it just felt like less than the sum of its parts to me. And then when it ended, I was like, how, on paper, I love this movie. But the only thing I didn't like about it was the film. I, yeah, I don't know if that the, makes any the, sense. The scenes start, stopped and started and went nowhere. Yeah, the the ending was I, I thought it was kind of ridiculous. I just did not like it at all. Yeah, I, I just did. It I didn't add like, up. It did not. It wasn't what one. I it wasn't what I paid to see. It was like I thought we were going to get something else. I mean, he was literally doing a a, a shot by shot moment of how the Manson murders began, and then he just went somewhere. Let's go. Let's go over here instead. Let's do this thing. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. Then yeah. Then, I don't know. It was a very affectionate love letter to Hollywood. It just for me, it just it didn't was. quite stick the landing. Yeah. No. But I also I think it's going to be a divisive year. Like I think no matter what wins best picture, you're not going to have everyone be happy. 
And that no, might be, not at all. Because I don't think there's a universally loved film this year that I can think of. No. Maybe Parasite. Maybe that's kinda the only like, one. Kind of like last year. I mean, I, I did not like Shape of Water at all. I didn't love it either. I, I, in fact, I loathed it, and I was stunned that it won Best Picture. Yeah, it was very and broad. I, yeah, and yeah. I wonder if they did that because because he's been such an iconic you know director for, Maybe. for so long, and they wanted to get Body of work. New. Yeah, it was, yeah. Body, it, was a, it was a body of work thing, you know? For sure. Maybe, but yeah. I just did not crazy about it. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the uh, the last movie I was going to mention, uh, Pain and Glory. Has anyone mm. seen that? Not yet. Yes. No, I've not. All divorced. Ryan, R- has Ryan seen in it. the booth. I went oh. on a date to that movie. I oh, you did? It. Wow. Yeah. I loved this film. Yeah. One of the best final shots of a movie I've seen that makes you rethink the whole film. It hmm. really okay. does. We, you know, and again, it's not getting a lot of the big yeah. play, but he may, uh, Antonio Banderas, just incredible okay. in it. And uh, another movie that is about movies. It's got the thread of that, and he's a film director. I mean, look at how great he oh looks. Oh, my God. Look, he looks amazing. He looks amazing. He really, I mean, what an incredible. And again, what I love about it is it's a very calm performance. It's very, from the minute the movie opens, uh, it's got beautiful graphics. And I, I always know, I, do you feel, I, I always know within 10 seconds if I'm going to like a movie. Are you one of those people? <laughs> I can usually tell. Nowadays, I can, yeah. I usually like, especially if I'm watching it with my mom or my friend Wayne Fetterman. Yeah, when, and, the, and the fonts are like good on on the beginning. Good like, font, okay. good, good song, good font. I, I'm I'm kind of with this thing. Yeah. The uh, my famous story is that Wayne Fetterman and I went to the premiere of the Ma- speaking of Paul Thomas Anderson of the Master. Yeah. And after uh, there was like a th- minutes of waves, and we just looked at each other. We said, "Uh oh, uh oh, we're in trouble." <laughs> a lot of water, a lot of waves. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Opening yeah, credits. Yeah. Uh, but Ooh, boy. <laughs> this is an incredible movie that I hope that people see. And uh, okay. he did just win uh, today. New York gave him the uh, best actor. The film critics circle. Oh, they did. Gave him best actor okay. of the year. So wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, and I haven't seen. Is um, that Netflix or is that a? Uh, I maybe eventually. I mean, okay. it's a foreign film, so it's okay, probably like okay, see okay. it where you can. Okay. Um, All right. It's going to be a strange year because with Parasite, I don't know if it's going to be up for best picture, best foreign film. You know, it's going well, to be like Roma. That, by the way, it's now well, called did. the international film category. They changed foreign film. The Oscars oh, did. Well, we can't say foreign anymore. You can't say the word foreign anymore. <laughs> you got to say international, otherwise you're a horrible racist. And you're going to be blacklisted. <laughs> well, <laughs> forever. Whenever, when everyone sees Richard Jewell, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious. Like again, if but that's been Clinton's thing. He, Clint, Clint, did I say Clinton? Clint's mo has been Sully, those Paris guys, Mm. and now that he's doing these little real life, you know, American Sniper. And I will say one thing. I was very skeptical when I went to see Sully. I thought it was gonna be terrible. I loved it. I fucking loved Sully. Yeah, it was such a good movie. The, yeah. the, the, the way this the, the plane he handled the plane crash scenes from different perspectives was amazing. He's a great filmmaker. Movie. He is. It's so um, good. The Paris movie though sucked. It did. It was terrible. But um, what about his road trip movie? Oh, the mule. Uh, the mule. Oh Jesus! <laughs> what the? Fuck? I didn't see it. Why? It's pretty well. He, Why? He so gets to make whatever movie yeah. he wants. It's, I um, know, but Jesus. I wonder. That's, that's again, I don't read do. reviews. Cool. I'm curious if maybe somebody out there can tell me. In Richard Jewell, there is a number of times to the point that it's distracting. Uh, Clint Eastwood shows the rebel flag, the southern rebel flag. Interesting. Oh, really? 
to the point that it's distracting. Okay, but that, that was a big point because the guy that actually did do the Atlanta um, bombing was a was a white supremacist, you know, guy. So it was maybe it was for that or I, no? He's in. It's in the FBI. Like when oh, he goes okay. to the well, F- we'll forget that when he goes to the <laughs> FBI. It's in the back. It's at the Lincoln Memorial. He's holding it in the ones you know. But he's doing really? when the mother's doing a press so, conference. So the in the Atlanta FBI. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, and wow. we every time like it's like, and then it cuts to you know. Maybe it's uh, a big Dukes of Hazard fan. Sam Rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my question. Was that was it this kind of anti political correctness? Because again, obviously, maybe it was there. But maybe it was there, and he's like, you know what? That's the way it looked in 1996. Right. So here we go. Most you know? filmmakers these days are kind of sanitizing. They are, you know, oh, what yeah. they do, yeah. and they yeah. go, well. Let's not be, cause some trouble. But in his case, it's like, can we, no. get a, can we get a black guy to play the Klansman in this one? Because it's just a little bit too too white of my, know. Uh, you know. You know. know. <laughs> so uh, anyway, it's pr- it's sort of prominently, uh, you know, it, it, it displayed, as I said, to the point of distraction. I got it. The, fir- the yeah. first time when he, it was very effective. There's a scene where... Um, um, what's her name? Kathy Bates does yeah. a press conference, and they have the flag and the rebel flag there. And I said, "Oh, very interesting." He chose to not shy away from, you know, they're in Georgia. But then they, when they went to the FBI, it was like, okay, the camera's purposely panning to make sure we see the flat rebel flag on the wall of the FBI. It's and then like, I thought, okay, well, I it's got a little it. Hand-handed. It's a little, little then. Sam Rockwell, they have this little pep talk. He's about to do his deposition. And so then Richard Jewell, he's saying, here's what I want you to do. And every time it cuts to Sam Rockwell, now, again, going back to DPs, every time the frame changes, you've got to change things in the background to make it, you know, to get the sizing right. Yeah. Okay, every time Sam Rockwell's talking, (laughs) no matter where he is, I see the damn rebel flag behind him. So it's clearly it was purposeful. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I don't. I like subtlety, but when it, when I start noticing it too much, I'm like, okay, you know. Well, I don't know what the purpose was. The purpose is to are you, are you, do you believe in the rebel flat? Is that it? Are you trying or, to make a statement about the kind of people that he was dealing with? I don't know. I don't know. I'm or are you say, making heroes of? I don't know. It's it's always yeah. that thing where like if Call you see a Clint, swastika too many yeah. times in a movie, you're like. Hmm, this is an uncomfortable number of times for me yeah. to see. Like, I get it. Yeah. And it's like, are you, is the director obsessed with it rather than, you right. know, it's that interesting okay. question. I don't know. Like Tarantino in the feet, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like Marty with blowing people's heads off. Yeah. With brain <laughs> splatters. With bra- yeah, you know, yeah, brain yeah. splatter. Yeah. How, many, how many brain splatters will be, you know. Yeah. How many brain splatters were there in The Irishman? There's a lot. Really? Okay. Well, the movie is no, I really want to see three it. and a half Hours, better, if you're going to make a three and a half hour movie, long. you got to give me a couple brain, brain splatters. Okay? You're painting that's, houses. That's, the, uh, that's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Painting houses, okay. Yeah. You know, wow. what's funny about Marty is like he's a, was a person, you know, who never stepped foot in a grocery store. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like didn't, you know, like people. And then yeah. Like, but wore, I don't mind blowing up. wore a suit to a friggin' like, you know, Fourth of July party <laughs> on the beach, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually true. I read that in uh, Raging Bull. Uh, yeah, yeah that, that, the book, the, the Peter Siskind book. He would talk yeah. about that. He would go like, to the the beach with uh, Spielberg and Lucas. Yeah. And he had to have a suit on, a three-piece suit. He's walking around building sandcastles. And with, shoes like, and socks. Yeah. And, yeah. Wouldn't want the I sand. I mean, what the hell? Yeah. But when it comes to blowing people's brains, you know, 
Uh, <laughs> we can we can have hours and hours of that. Yeah. But so that you know, again, so that's an interesting theme that I'm beginning, and I don't know if it's society, it's the so what society. I I, I guess hmm. I, I don't I don't know. There's just I just found a lot of the themes of the film seem to be. Well, I do a lot of terror. I mean, even in marriage. Oh, well, fuck it. That's kind right. of the whole. Even yeah. in marriage story, the guy is, you know, they're fighting about custody. And he goes, well, I thought we agreed that blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I'm becoming powered now. So sorry. Hmm. <laughs> like, so a lot of times I found myself in, in that in that film, in The Irishman, and Richard Jewell, in Hustlers, going, I, I'm very confused. Like, am I supposed to be caring about these people? Because hmm. I don't. I I, yeah. I don't care about any of these. There's people. some great movies where you don't care about the people, but 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 there are like also some terrible. There are also some terrible movies where you don't care about the people. I Dolomite is. I mean, first of all, I I mean again, I hope that Wesley Snipes is not forgotten in the best supporting actor category. He gives in this. He is the definition of the great supporting character. Not Joe Pesci, who's basically a lead in the movie. Yeah. You know, Brad Pitt, who's basically a lead in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wesley Snipes takes what is basically a small part and just... he It's magic. It was was sheer joy watching um, him do his character. And I I could see the joy on Eddie Murphy's face, you know, which is part of the fun of it. Yeah. It's just... Watching him, I mean, look at that. Well, I think Wesley about Snipes has been in the weeds for a while with all of his tax problems, so it must have been just been fun to be on a movie set and just having fun with it, and just like you know, just being in the pl- movie with a bunch of pros and just. <laughs> My favorite wow. line in the movie is when he says to Eddie Murphy, he, or when he says he turns to the DP and he says, "Can we shoot this so it actually looks like he's hitting the guy?" And the DP goes. No, we can't. <laughs> and then he takes out a, a little flask and he just starts yeah, drinking. Starts drinking. <laughs> I mean, that's you. You know that that's to me is is our lives is like wow. the people who are not perfect, but yet we're rooting for them. Right. Yeah. But maybe again, I'm maybe I'm out of step with what you know. I think I can't think of a single movie this year. I think more and more with the direction filmmaking is going, you're not really going to get these movies that people universally agree on are masterpieces. I don't know if we have that anymore. But you're going to still see the word masterpiece written on the poster of the movie in big letters and 35 point font. I'd like to Hmm. see the sentence that it's drawn from because they only usually put a masterpiece. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Anything but a masterpiece. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 so we don't really know. And then usually the critics... Like tiny, tiny, and tiny. it's always like a newspaper you never heard of either. Like right. in a city that you never, the Tacoma Free Press, yeah, <laughs> said, hails this so and so as a masterpiece. Or, yeah, you know. well, it's I mean, this time, I mean, all the movies, of course, it's a shame get released today, and you know, in this one window, and so therefore yeah. you forget about. Uh, it is weird how they do it now. They, they it's all like the ten pole movie summer. Then once the fall hits, they start putting all the good movies out that mm-hmm. are going to Oscar and everything's kind of like smushed into this one area. Yeah. And the worst is when they start giving awards to movies that haven't even come out yet. Like the Golden Globes will announce probably and, and, they'll, and it'll give 
nominations to award to movies that haven't even come out yet. Yep. You know, that's, yeah. that's always the worst. Well, yeah. that's what that always ha- frustrates. I think yeah. I think nineteen seventeen, which is supposed to be the big yeah one. So, and I'm I'm curious. I'm surprised that it hasn't been nominated for a bunch of stuff, even though it hasn't come out yet. I know. So. Another great film which was released, you know, months ago, everyone's already forgotten about, is the Peter Jackson uh, documentary about Oh, yeah, the one he colorized all. My dad loved it because he... It's an incredible film. Yeah, he colorized all these WW1, you know, stuff. And it's just, it's amazing. Wow. It it looks so good. It's really... Yeah, yeah. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. Now that could be. That's going to stand the test of time. That's like a Ken Burns kind of... Look at the picture. It was so moving. Yeah, look at that. How do you... It, it, it was an incredible in. film. I mean, he, he, down to the fact that you can see the people's teeth, their yeah. rotten teeth, and you really get a sense. For the first time, I understand what it was like to be in World War One. Yeah. How how horrifying, awful, awful, and how awful. young they were. Oh, I guess God. that's what's you really. That's what you really brings out the faces. And, yeah. You know. You, see, you know. So it that's also reminded a great one to me. See. Of, remember back in the nineties when Ted Turner colorized all those great black and white movies like Casablanca. And, <laughs> yes. Yeah, a couple of my that? grandfathers. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. And I remember each in Ebert and Cisco and Ebert did a huge show just saying no, stop this, stop, you must stop, and nobody bought them, and they sort of went away. But it, I, it was Cisco and Ebert who really championed the yeah. cause to stop Ted Turner from doing that. That's interesting. Because if it wasn't for them, they, he would have done every movie. And TCM would be all color. Like, imagine that. Imagine watching, like, Kane, and it's, like, in bright <laughs> color or something. And, well, that yeah. would be terrible. Yeah. yeah. That would be terrible. Uh, and our, our friend from TCM, Ben Mankiewicz, did your foreword. He did. Ben is a great guy. And it's such a good, um, you know, uh, there's so many film references and a lot of old noir. Uh, you, have a you, fa- you have a favorite noir? L.A. Noir. I know it's. I well, L.A. Confidential is so good. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's so good because film. it because it's it's so aware of its being shot in L.A. Mm-hmm. and it has fun. Un, unlike a lot of old noir films that shoot in L.A., they don't really yeah. use the city as a set. They, they barely. I mean, Double Indemnity kind of, kind of, yeah. but like L.A. Confidential knows where it is and, it, and it's having fun with everything. It's almost I, like a. It's 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 like if Tar- Tarantino did a noir about. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It really is. He really yes. had fun with that whole I thing. also thought that L.A. Confidential mined a lot of real-life stories. Like, there was an actual madam that apparently had girls that were prostitutes that... You Cut know, to look like movie stars? Yes. Really? Wow. That's in the... That's oh, in I the, didn't know that. That's okay. in the David Niven uh, book. I get the girl from Charles in Charge and a uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's <laughs> in his that? book. Wow. And okay. of, you know, the studio's weird relationship with the police and L.A. Co- yeah, because the, the police was... Because there was no mob control out here. It was all just right. like open city. So... The police like, well, we'll just do it ourselves. And they, yeah. they it sort of ran. hints a little bit at the at Tab Hunter that story. Oh yeah, that's right. It does. It does. Tab yeah. Hunter, uh, you know, and 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 so again, I thought it borrowed from a lot of great classic, yeah, L.A. stories. And um, it just had fun with it, you know. And it just plus like, Russell Crowe, my God, oh, he's amazing. He really came on this scene. Yeah. Remember the scene where he's beating the guy up? Uh, it was like that's great. That was like. <laughs> That was a great film. I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of, of fat Russell Crowe. Like, you ever see him in, in The Nice Guys? Mm. He's That's so a great good great movie. movie. Yeah. He's, he's just this big lumbering bully, just like walking into scenes. He's so good in that movie. Oh, my, it's one of his best roles, I think. It's know? a great movie. You're right. Early, yeah. early, so early Russell Crowe before the, uh, the Gladiator. Before the Gladiator. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to him? I think he just, again, he just got 
overexposed. He, he just had a did, couple um, of bombs. He just played Roger Ailes, though, in the Showtime doc. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I'm getting I've a heard conf- Bombshell is going to be wonderful. Oh, really? That's okay. the Roger Ailes. Okay, so I'm confused. Okay. So there was one. There are two. There are okay, two there are two. There's but, the TV one that Showtime rushed out to try to beat Bombshell. Oh, I yeah. see. And I've heard the definitive really good one is Bombshell. That's the one we need to see yeah. okay. of the two. So. And when does okay. that – that's coming out. Christmas, I think. Actually, next week. I think yeah. a week from tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing says Christmas to me like like a, Roger, like a Roger Ailes movie. Yeah, that's what we want to see, you know? <laughs> Merry Christmas, one and all. <laughs> that's a movie that I got invited to the premiere, and I thought, well, just for my own personal – you know, I was like – I don't, oh, I don't, right. yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if I'm the arbiter of, yeah, yes, yeah. great sexual harassment in this one. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. <laughs> There's some terrific sexual harassment in this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Matt Lauer should be. Uh, oh, my God. Should be uh, talk about a vis- Talk about eviscerated. Man, that guy. Oh. Along with this book, uh, has anyone else read um, uh, Ronan Farrow's book? I've heard it's really, really good. No. Yes. I've heard it reads Catch like a thriller. Like Catch I've heard. Kill. It's fantastic. Oh, you've read it? Okay. Yes, I, I read it. I, I happen to know the author. Yes. Uh, Are you kind of, did you mention you a little bit? Is there a little thing with you? I or? might be in the sequel. Okay, okay. okay the sequel. Uh, okay. <laughs> the straight to video one that I'm comes the, out like I'm next, sequel, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a page okay. turner. It's a page turner. Okay. I, 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 I like the holidays again. It's this time where you can, you know, Lays around yeah. and read books and watch I'm movies. I'm going home to Virginia um, mm. to my my parents' house on the 22nd of the 1st. I'm just going to like sit there and watch yeah. Netflix and mm. catch up on all my movies and read some books. My f- I, I self-published this thing. I got 1,250 books sent to my apartment from China because, you know, slave, China. slave labor is the best. They're, they're <laughs> so good. Look at this. Look at this. It's not one mistake in this entire thing. It's little nimble fingers can do it all, you know? <laughs> There probably um, were some folks in Je- Oh, it's very good. And uh, anyway, I got doing my I, I Jay got, Lewis. I know. <laughs> oh, you're doing is that Mickey Rooney from uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's? Are you doing that? Okay. <laughs> Dana, so I had a Dana Gould. Every once in a while, oh, I call up right. Dana Gould and I go, Dana, will you do Mickey Rooney from Bridge Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> he, okay. It's a it's a long-standing <laughs> joke we have. It's our favorite bad stereotype yeah. in films. Anyway, so a thousand two hundred fifty of these books showed up in my apartment, and I've been mailing them out one by one because wow. I self-published it. And it's just been like it's been crazy. What so about just, the mail? Is that hard? What's the most challenging? Just getting the books, the paper cuts, because the the book comes oh. in its own like ready-made box, and it's, yeah, and it's brilliant, but it's made so whenever I open it up, like, yeah, this way, uh huh, it slices like Oof. it's just it's really oh. hard cardboard here. So I have all these paper cuts and blood spurting everywhere, and <laughs> but it was worth it. It was, it was worth, worth it. it. So You've I have got about, the book. I have about 200 left. That's all I have left. Wow. wow. I know. I, I sold a lot. So Does that mean you'll have to reprint? I don't know. Maybe. That's a lot of work, though, man. It's just like... Wow. It's nothing more depressing than having your apartment just filled with yeah. books. It's really like you walk home and you feel claustrophobic and you're like a hoarder or something. Daunting. It's like, it really I don't is. Know. Yeah, you know, daunting. with my book. So maybe, I don't know. You know, with my book, like, again, it's so mysterious. They just reap, you know, it's. You it's don't a, even know. You just They just give you a check and go, here you go. And then. I don't know. even know who's making the books. Yeah. I, I try yeah. to find out. But it's like, you know, you order books and they come and. and Self-publishing, man. You, you know everything. I mean, people, really? be, if, if, if a book gets lost in the mail, they'll call me and, hey, give me my tracking number. And I'll, I, I'm the one that's wow. going to find it. I've been lucky. And then I, only one book got lost. Well, it's very in inspiring. Mail. Yeah. It's very inspiring. And thanks so much for coming on. And of course. For doing our uh, talking about movies. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, 
coming up. I got to go see the Irishman now. I want to see some good head heads being blown off. Yeah, yeah some house get, painting. You get ready. Get ready for that. Take a yeah, three hours, baby. <laughs> three and a half. <laughs> hey, I got a long holiday coming up, so I'm gonna. I have some time to kill. Yeah, uh, I'd be curious what you say. What, the The final critique will come from my mother. That's Great. My, my oh. love. My my mother gives the best one sentence reviews of movies, and it's never a masterpiece. Is it? Is it rarely that? My, my usually my mother would be like, I don't know, been there, done that, you know, or, or like, <laughs> you know, she goes, hey, your father and I were seeing Russian films in the fifties. This is not, you know, like so. Okay. She's got a great. I love her take on uh, on films. She sort of she was very bored by she, Downton Abbey. Oh yeah. She was like too. There was too much getting ready. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's where I'm, I'm like. That should be on a poster. A ma- too, too much getting ready. Too much getting ready. I love a masterpiece, profound. Too much getting ready. <laughs> she goes, the whole movie was about them getting ready for the visit. But by the time they get to the visit, yeah. it was over. So yeah. Yeah. My mother's too much getting ready. Oh, that's funny. Would have, you know. Yeah, okay. they needed. They need to bring in somebody like her when they're screening. Anyway, yeah. we're having so much fun here. Okay, yeah. one more shot of the book. Yeah, all right. You got one more. Go to your website. And uh, you can go get Matt, this. MattOswaldPhoto.com. Order one now. They're going. They're literally... We covered once, a lot today. We sure did. Once they're out there, that's it. And for so. those of us who are tuned into the podcast right now, because we do have a big uh, listener-only uh, listener audience, make sure you check out our YouTube video for this episode in particular, because yes. we have the great visuals that accompany what we're saying. Matt, the book's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Very, very cool. Thank you. You're always welcome on the show. Thanks for I being here. I shall take you up on that. Yes, we'll make sure to have more garlic eggplant dip oh, for you. For the love of God. <laughs> I made peanut butter. Yes. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. And next week, uh, who do we have on next week? We're talking about Christmas movies. Yes, I, I think we're going to have... Actually, Ben Mankiewicz's colleague Alonzo Duralde. I think. Oh, yes. He, I think he's in the slate. It's he, we may be booking him for next year as well. But uh, yeah. we'll have a show, so make sure you tune in, and we'll be talking Christmas movies. We're juggling so. a few people. We'll yes, see some surprises. Okay. Anyway, as we uh, always end our show, everyone's life is like a movie. Today it was a detour, liquor stores and detours. But uh, this is the end of our movie. And thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you, uh, Matt, for being here. Come back anytime and uh, have a great day, everyone. Love to know what you think of the movies. Yes. Let me know. I hope I, I, ho- I hope I haven't caused too much trouble. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. That's right. Make your holidays a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else I can Thanks for tuning into the film scene with Ileana Douglas, airing exclusively on the Popcorn Talk Network. We bring you this show for free because we're just as passionate and borderline obsessed with film as you are. And it would mean a lot if you would please subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It takes five minutes to review the show, but it helps other film junkies find the show and continue to spread a love of classic and contemporary film. For guest inquiries or live bookings, you can email me, Jeff Graham, at guests at afterbuzztv.com. That's G. G-U-E-S-T-S at A-F-T-E-R-B-U-Z-Z dot com. For more incredible film content, check us out online at The Popcorn Talk, and we'll see you after the credits.